I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I'll begin part one of a two-part series about my family's lineage. So, the hubby and I are headed to New Orleans with my best friend, Mon, for Thanksgiving. We're meeting up with mom and dad and one of my brothers and his wife to do the Bayou Classic that whole weekend. Um, My sister-in-law is, I guess it's her production team that um, is recording or shooting the Battle of the Bands um, on, I think that's on the Saturday after um, just after Thanksgiving. So anyway, we want to go down there and support her. She's, she's been doing that for a couple of years. And so, you know, we're using this opportunity to kind of serve as a little bitty family reunion over Thanksgiving. And I love family reunions, even if it's only with a few folks. Honestly, you never know when God will call you home. So I try to relish every moment. And it also keeps me grounded in our family, our family traditions and what matters most to me and us. Anyway, for the past five or so years, a few of my extended family members and I have played the role of amateur genealogists, basically. Um, Using sites like Ancestry.com, we've been able to find a wealth of information about our people and get a chance to see what kind of lives they led. Now, I want to be clear. This is in addition to the family stories we already had um, and the uh, histories that were passed down from you know, um, some of the old folks. So in many ways we were using, you know, ancestry.com in a way to kind of corroborate some of the stories that we were told, um, and to kind of add some more evidence to some truths, um, some long held truths, um, that we had in our family. So anyway, um, Thanks to my third cousin on my dad's side, who is retired, we pretty well have the family line traced all the way back to the plantation um, that my great-great-great-grandparents left to start our family. And I'm running point on my mom's side of the family, so I don't really have it traced all the way back. Um, And, you know, there's a reason for that. There's missing information in many cases. just wrong information in others. It's just kind of hard to track down, um, especially if you're going off of a family member's memory and you come to believe that what they were told wasn't exactly true. And so then you have to go about trying to figure out well, what is true. Anyway, um, so throughout this whole process, just running point on my mom's side of the family, I have been able to debunk some longstanding truths, solve a few family mysteries, and trace uh, the family line back to um, a patriarch about four generations to a preacher and his wife back in Virginia. So today, in honor of Thanksgiving and all sorts of family reunions everywhere, for every reason, I'll start part one of my two-part series on my family um, history. This episode, I'll talk about the place that my dad's side of the family has laid claim to for more than 150 years, and how that place has helped keep keep the family um, together. Home base for my dad's side of the family has always been Glendora Plantation 
in Sterlington, Washita Parish, Louisiana. Sterlington is a small rural city just outside of Monroe. It's where several generations of my family are interred. It's also where my dad and many of his cousins grew up. And it's where in 1865, my great-great-great-grandmother and my great-great-great-grandfather moved from Greensboro, North Carolina to become sharecroppers. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why in the world would they leave one southern state and move further south to another one, having newly been freed? Why didn't they go north? Or at the very least, why in the world didn't they head west? So that answer is pretty simple for my family. Um, and have my cousin tell it, it's pretty straightforward too. Um, my great-great-great-grandparents, I'm going to need to do like, I'm going to need to come up with something. This is getting tough. So let me do this. Let me do my 3G, <laughs> 3G grandparents needed money. Um, and at the time, um, I think my 3G grandma was 14 and my 3G grandpa was 16. So they were young, newly emancipated, and they had kids. So um, they needed a better place to live. Um, they needed money. And they needed to get the heck away from where they grew up as slaves. Now, what we know is following emancipation, plantation owners no longer had free labor to work their fields. And as a result, they needed to hire folks to work the land or lose their crop altogether, right? So as my cousin suggests in his book, the indigenous black people of Monroe, Louisiana and surrounding cities, states like Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana circulated leaflets showing black folk living the good life with hogs as big as cows and corn stalks taller than they had ever seen. So my three grandparents um, on my dad's side, you know, they loaded up their family and all of their belongings and took what was then a week-long trade uh, train ride to Louisiana. And when they got off the train, they ran into a man by the name of Mr. Cole, who shared a leaflet he was passing around to attract workers to his farm. And what was the name of his farm? Glendora Plantation. No, there weren't hogs as big as cows, nor were there crops taller than they had ever seen before. But there was farmland with plenty of work to be done. According to the deal my 3G grandparents worked out with the Cole family, specifically Mr. Cole, they could build houses as the family grew, according to the acres they were given, while they worked the land. And that's just what they did. My great-great-grandmother and her siblings had a total of 19 children who were all born on Glendora. And their children, too, were born mostly on Glendora. And for generations, family members tilled the land, planted and cleared the crop, all while their families grew and their foothold on the plantation expanded. 
the family grew so large that members began to take root in Sterlington City proper and Monroe. And Now, Daddy is part of the generation that wasn't born on Glendora, but spent most of their life between the plantation, Sterlington itself, and Monroe. Now, have him tell it. Life on the plantation was heaven. Sure, they were poor and they knew it. White folks also routinely messed with their families, harassed them and all. But the old folks did what they could to make life enjoyable and to make it so the young folks could go to schools like Grambling State or earn a living away from the plantation. And what's most endearing to my dad was the fact that he grew up with so many family members. That was the thing for him. He enjoyed being close to cousins, first cousins, second cousins, third cousins, great aunts, great uncles, you know, um, distant family, but everybody was there. And it was like, it, it was like their own little world. Sure. It got a little, you know, rough sometimes, you know, you want to get away from family members cause everybody knows your business. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it was their own little world. And that's what daddy loved about it the most. But again, the old folks, you know, scrimped and saved so that the younger generations could achieve more for themselves. So they could work, you know, either go to school or work outside of the farm, outside of the plantation. And so it was my dad's generation that reaped the benefits of their parents and the old folks hard work. And so they started out to make a life for themselves, away from Glendora Plantation, even outside of Louisiana. As we know, roughly 90% of the country's black population lived in the South in 1900. But due to harsh Jim Crow laws and few economic opportunities, Black folk began to move up north and out west in large numbers from 1910 until about 1970. And in the 40s and 50s, some of my grandparents' generation moved away from Glendora for nearby Monroe. And only a few members ventured out of state. If they did, they moved to Texas. And one brave soul moved all the way to California. But in the 60s and 70s, my dad's generation moved away en masse from Louisiana to start their own lives. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, I think it was one of the um, the black folklore, black American folklore um, episodes. I think it was episode two or part two. Um, the main places black folks moved during the Great Migration were Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, Kansas City. Denver, Los Angeles, and Oakland. And so, like many other young people, my dad's generation hopped on trains and took buses to move primarily to Detroit, Kansas City, and Oakland. And they stayed away, too. So, I'm not sure who started the tradition of family reunions, but I can only imagine that it grew out of a need to reconnect with family and the places where you grew up. Now, I actually did research on the word family reunion and, you know, where it originated, where it started from. And the main article that came up, the main thing that made sense to me was an article, um, it was like a Wikipedia article, honestly, 
Um, no, that should never be your main source of information. You should always get a second and third. But anyway, um, so I looked at the Wikipedia article. And it was just so funny because, you know, it kind of put things into perspective for me. Sure, the concept of family reunion probably isn't unique to African Americans. Um, actually, if you look at the Wikipedia article, it has the picture that it shows is of this like Dutch family. Maybe they're not Dutch. It's like a European family um, and a Swedish or something like that. Anyhow, um, and it's like 50 of them in one picture. And I think it was done in the 80s. And they were all coming together because they could all link their heritage to one person who was born in 1776. And so, again, I don't think the concept of family reunion is unique to black folk. But I think that we as a people took to it um, out of necessity, not just out of longing, but like, no, literally out of necessity. I can... I would believe that, you know, following um, the emancipation that folks who were separated probably were eager to reconnect with folks that they were separated from, family members they were separated from. Maybe I'm being romantic in this feeling. Um, But I can't believe, you know, that family reunions began because of the Great Migration um, and people moving clear across the country for a better way of life, but still wanting to stay connected with their family. But nevertheless, um, wherever it started, for my family, you know, family reunion started when that generation, my dad's generation, um, got a little homesick and they had been away for a little while and family members, you know, some of the old heads began to take sick and started to pass away, you know. Um, And so while it wasn't necessarily started by them, it was certainly them who held on to it and kept it going for all of these years um so you know you know they they like I said my dad's generation they moved away and they stayed gone but slowly but surely they began to come back and visit visit their immediate family and then cousins um but sometime in the late 70s or early 80s and I need to confirm this with my daddy um but anyway my dad's side of the family began organizing family reunions Now, I'm not sure where our first family reunion was held, but I know it was in Sterlington, our family's second home, you know, the city proper. We've had reunions at least every two years ever since. And it seems like every time I go there, you know, go down to a family reunion, I meet a new cousin or somebody that knows all about me, but I don't know a thing about them. And I just smile. After all, that's family. It's an interesting feeling to have an attachment to a place called a plantation, even if older family members look back on their time spent there fondly. My family were sharecroppers through and through who scrimped and saved to provide opportunities for their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids' kids. Make no mistake, the Cole family made a killing off my family's hard work. It is what it is. 
The only solace I have is that the big house and the shacks my family called home are long gone. And the Cole family sold the plantation years ago. But my family has a burial plot at the edge of the plantation where my great, great, great grandparents and many other relatives are laid to rest. Monuments, in a way, to how far parents will go for their kids and reminders of the mark our family made on that little corner of the country. Next week, I'll explore my DNA test results as well as debunk some long-held family truths and honor a loved one whose life was cut short. All right. That's it for now. Be sure to send me a message via the Anchor.fm app or donate and or donate. Even 99 cents will be a helpful contribution. Please also consider leaving a favorable rating for the show on CastBox, Anchor.fm, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this show. All right. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Until next time.